Back in on Canuck Central, it is Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. And as we always do on Mondays, we welcome in our regular guests on the show. He is... A legend in this market. It is Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Check TV. Uh, Donnie uh, comes in on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Thanks for this, Donnie. The uh, Super Bowl in the rearview mirror. Was it a profitable night for you? Um, I'm too cheap to gamble. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no. But uh, a lot of fun. We, I have a large family. We had a, a lot of people over. Uh, uh, yesterday to watch and uh you know hey the first half wasn't that great but the golf was so good we were flipping back back and forth and it was just a great day when you throw in the Canucks game as well great day of, of sports viewing because that game got that, that football game got so good one of my favorite uh, actual tweets during the game or it came after the game was actually from Aaron Ward Wardo uh, uh who played in the league for the Canes and, and obviously does some media stuff he mentioned how happy he was that Taylor Swift was a big part of the game because his daughter sat there and watched the entire Super Bowl with him and he thought it was a great experience that they were able to watch Super Bowl together and he's, he was being genuine he was really happy about it did you find with a group that you watched that Taylor Swift enhanced or took away from the Super Bowl experience for you no I, I, I'm I have no problem with that at all I mean, it's great for the business of sport, the yeah. business of, of, of the National Football League. And, and like I say, you know, there's a, you know, I've had, we've had this tradition in our family watching the, that game, uh, the Super Bowl for years. And, you know, at Taylor Swift aside, it's been that way for a long time. And whether you're into the game or not, there are people who are watching uh, because of the halftime show in the case of yesterday. I'm sure not for me, but the people that were waiting for it saw it and they stuck around to watch the rest of the football game. And it was great. And it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant move by the National Football League. Uh, what they what they do with their halftime shows that aren't I don't I, I think I'm safe in saying um, I don't think I'm crossing any line in saying that I think most of the halftime shows you know for the last several years have been geared towards maybe the non-football fan. And I think just it's just a it's just a great move. Taylor Swift, what are they going to do? That's a gimme. <laughs> I mean, she's the biggest star in the world, and she happens to be going out with an NFL star. And they show her for what, you know, other than the, you know, the kiss at the end of the game, which went on for a long time. Maybe they were expecting a proposal. I'm not sure. But, you know, how often do they show her, you know, 20, 25 seconds a game and people freak out about it? It's great for their business. What, 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 would, what would anybody do in that situation when you have somebody that popular endorsing your product? I mean, it's, it's, that, that doesn't bother me at all. It gets people talking and, you know, like Aaron Ward says, it's, you know, there are people who never watch a football game in their life who are starting to, who maybe have started to watch it because of Taylor Swift. Nothing wrong with that. I, I just want to know what Don Taylor serves at his Super Bowl party. Like, are we talking chicken wings, nachos? Uh, are you making chili during the day? Like, what's going on? Brisket. Uh, brisket and buns. And, oh. and, and, and you know, that, that, that everybody has at the half. My brother-in-law brought over some sushi, and it was... We we did well. I'm recovering today, not so much from. Not, it's not an alcohol hangover; it's a food hangover. So I'm trying to behave myself, but uh, re- really good. Lo- lo- lots of fun. That's uh, that's next level. A brisket for the uh, for yeah. the Super Bowl Sunday. I'm uh, I'm I'm hungry yeah. already. He is uh, he is Don Taylor. Don Taylor of uh, Donnie and Dolly on Check 
TV. So the Canucks, it's it's funny how much expectations have changed. Hey, eh, Donnie, like, you know, they, they go through this uh, stretch here, five-game roadie uh, out of the All-Star break. They bring in a new player, and they have the tough loss against Boston. They blow one against Detroit on Saturday. The first, or I guess the second game they've blown yeah. after having a lead yeah. in the third period all season long. Still collected 60 of 62 points in that situation, which is incredibly remarkable. And then their goalie steals them one yesterday, and and it seems like we're still we're still looking for for things to pick at with this team rather than just say, hey, they found a way to win yesterday. Yeah, and you know what? But you said there, Dan, about, about Demko about the goaltending. I I I heard very few people talk about just how good he was. Everybody just expects him to mm-hmm. be that good, yeah. and he was. It wasn't a perfect game by them uh, by, by any means. But the expectations, you bang on. What are they, 2-1-1 one, and one on this road trip? Yeah. And it hasn't been perfect by any means. Not not a chance in the world. But they're 2-1-1 one, and one after mm-hmm. four games. I'm not saying this means they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But you're right about the expectations. And people are, they're, they're nitpicking. There are concerns, you know, and they are legitimate. This is a smart hockey market, no question about it. But it just everything's just so quick, and you talk about the expectations, how quickly they changed. Two one on one, four games into a five game road trip, they would have planned a parade if they knew that at the start at the start of the year. But now it's like it's not quite good enough. Just just the way it's gone, it's uh, it's still it's still you know it, I, everybody's enjoying this. But I, I'm not surprised that because I guess it's a smart hockey market, but people have to check themselves and realize that it's. It seems to be pretty special right now, and we'll see where it, where it heads. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of the the the, uh, the chemistry that they have as a group, that's obviously been very positive. But nobody exemplifies that better than, than the third line, Donnie. And you know, as they're trying to figure out how Lindholm is going to fit into this team, and figuring out who can play best with Pedersen, and as good as Hoaglander has been, the constant remains, especially the past month and a half, two months, their best line continues to be their third line. And that says quite a bit for a team that is just winning pretty much every game right now. How, how long have people wondered about the depth of this team? Mm-hmm. The top six is pretty good. You know, I'm talking about before this year, but man, the third and fourth line need a lot of help. And I mean, whenever things seem to be going poorly, like they did in the Boston game, you know, that third line seems to be able to turn things around or at the very least set an example for every or try to set an example for everybody else about, you know, how to play with all that, all that spark and energy. It must be just so tempting for Rick Tockett right now, you know, when the top six isn't going all that well to, to take Joshua or to take Garland uh, or, or Bluger. And I think especially in the case of Garland, because I think he drives that line to put him in that in that top six. But the third line's been so good. So, you know, and, and, and for so long that you can't, I don't think you can break it up, but it must be really, really uh, tempting for him. It's re- it falls in the category of a pleasant problem. And I think most cannot, uh, most people in that organization, anybody who follow, follows them will, will take a pleasant problem any day versus what we've been served up the last several seasons. Pretty uh, incredible where Garland started this year with the the whole trade thing that happened at uh, right before the the season opener, and and now he's been. Uh, I mean, without a doubt, over the last couple of months, one of the most valuable players uh, on this yeah. roster. Yeah, and and I, I'm going I'm going to give as uh, somebody who's involved in minor hockey. I think you know where I'm going uh, with this with Garland. Yes, I love the way he's playing, and it's just it's a it's a great story. Much like Besser asking for a trade uh, last year, you thought both those players were gone, and 
look where they are now and think, you know, Besser would, you know, like to get things going post all-star break, but uh, extra marks, Connor Garland continuing to wear the neck guard. And it's one of these things where like, why aren't more players doing that? And maybe it has to do something, you know, something with his size. He feels maybe he's more susceptible to that sort of thing. But I salute him for that, for setting, for setting that example. And, and after a while, has anybody really noticed? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of – one of the reasons why players don't wear it is because they think it looks funny. It looks just fine. So extra marks to Garland for continuing to wear that neck guard. And, you know, hopefully we all remember what happened earlier this year over in Europe and, and how dangerous it can be. So I really commend him for that. One of the things we were talking about uh, before the show, we were talking about how good uh, Connor Garland's been. And uh, one of us referred to him, he's been elite, like an elite third liner. And what it made me think about, Donnie, was remember Matt Cook back in the day? Everyone kept calling him an elite third line player. And the question was, like, can you really be elite if you're playing on the third line? Like, truly, are you? And I think you can actually make that case with Garland because he's a, a, a legitimate top six caliber player who's currently playing on the third line. It's not so much about, about he's a third liner. Like, he's a... He's clearly a talented hockey player that's that's excelling in a role on a third line. Yeah, and you, you, yeah, I mean, you didn't say elite top six guy, right? But elite, elite, you know, bottom six. I think he is, and and then that's this year. You know, we'll see where it goes from here. But certainly, you know, he he looks to be that way. He really drives that line, and in doing so, because that's been their best line for a long time, maybe helps drive drive the whole team. Now he's been he's been really good. He, he loves having the puck. He gets involved. He causes turnovers. He just he just seems like a leader out there. I'm gonna watch him play. So Elias Lindholm, uh, it, it seems like a a big ass to to bring this guy in. He, he hasn't even really been to Vancouver yet, right? He just left the All Star game and yeah. showed up in in Carolina to join his teammates for this this five game road trip. And it started great, but uh, it it hasn't looked as clean over the last couple of games when when do you think you know it's it's fair to assess whether or not this this uh this big trade is is working or not is it sometime in march is it how it affects the team in the playoffs like what how do you assess the trade yeah i get, yeah you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt um he's not a he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to be flashy despite the 40 plus goals a couple of seasons ago so i i look at and maybe it's a matter of the coach Rick Tockett trying to get him going. He did play, you know, multiple shifts in that overtime yesterday in Washington. Hoaglander's got 16 goals, didn't see the ice in, in overtime. And I know that has a lot to do with trust, but that that was kind of surprising. He's, yeah, I would imagine he's trying to uh, get him going, but uh, I think he's one of these guys. He's just not. I don't. I don't know how flashy he is, but it seems like he does things that gain him the trust of the uh, of Rick Tockett. And we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, let's, let's give it some time. It's been a whirlwind for him, the strangeness of being at the All-Star game, uh, having just been traded. Uh, the expectations, I'm sure, went through the roof. Well, they did after that first game with the, with the two goals. But he just hasn't been as noticeable as most people would like. And then, hey, let's be honest here, it doesn't help his cause. And, again, it's so such a small sample size. But Kuzmenko has kind of captured the imagination of people in Calgary with his two goals and they're discovering his personality. So that, that, that doesn't help, but you, you have to give it time. And, and given the, the other moves that Rutherford and Alvin have made, I, you, I think most people in this market trust them. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but uh, 
um, yeah, yeah, you give it some time, see what he does when, when he, when he's at home. And of course at crunch time a month or two from now. I don't want to get ahead ahead of things too much, but when you watch Noah Juleson and the way he's fit in, especially how well he's excelled on the PK, he plays a third line role almost, you know, seamlessly right now. Do we feel good enough about how he's played that we can pencil him him in as a sixth defenseman next season on the right side? Yeah, well, uh, it's pretty clear. And, and Rick talk, and he, you hear him talk. He's got a lot of old school in him, and you know, Gonchar is the same way, and, and, and foot. And I think they respect they respect him. And you, you saw the hit he delivered yesterday as somebody who plays a real old school type of game. When he, when he first broke into the league as a you know a first round draft pick, lower first round by Montreal. But he's one of these guys, and I think that players who've been around a long time or coaches who've been around a long time and see a, and have seen a lot, they respect people who are able to survive, adjust their game and survive. He can't do what he did in junior or what was expected of him in Montreal or in Florida. And, and, and he's managed to you know keep his head down, stay quiet, adjust his game, and at least for this season – be really, really effective. And whenever I watch him play and I, and I see him being quietly effective, my mind automatically goes back to, and people forget about this, but that first preseason game this year, what was the final score? 10-1? He was awful in that game. I mean, they all were. I don't think there's one player who was good in that game. It's just how far he's come from, from that moment. It's, it's a little hard to believe. And the other part that's hard to believe with him is that he was part of the Ole Levy trade. Yeah. It, right. And, and it's, you know, it looks like it's worked unbelievably worked out in, in, in the Canucks uh, favor. Yeah, it, it really has. And somebody you're penciling in probably for a roster spot next season on, uh, yeah. on defense for this, this team right now, you know, um, well, especially with Myers, if Myers leaves, right. I yeah. Mean, it seems like it would be a no-brainer at this point, anyway. Yeah, and he's he's played well enough. I mean, he's he's earned the trust of the coaching staff in a big way. He's become a big part of the penalty kill, as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys feel this uh, on Donnie and Dolly as much as as we do here doing the game broadcast, Donnie. But the discourse around Elias Pettersson, it just uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of angry texts after the Boston game when he was a uh, he was a minus four on Thursday, yeah. and it you know he's. He's been unbelievable for most of the season. Has he had a couple of off nights? Sure, most guys have an off night every now and again. But it just feels like he's being judged on a on a fourteen million dollar contract or whatever that he hasn't even signed yet. Uh, that's so true. I don't think. And you know, we went after him on Friday, and we had this you know real or low lights of him. On what 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 happened on Friday? What? And what uh, Talkett was clearly uh, upset about this wouldn't. So you be a guys big are stoking deal. the flames of the fan base. I see it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know how many people watch us, but <laughs> but so there there is that. But but if there wasn't for and you know I'm working with Dolly Wall for God's sakes and he fired JP Perry says he's going to get twelve and a half billion <laughs> and, and so you know I part of it is I just want to tweak Dolly Wall yeah but I mean you know you're twelve and a half million dollar guy and you're getting outraced by Denton Heinen who's a, you know I love the guy from Langley and all that you know he bounced around a bit journeyman hockey player and it just it's not a good look for a guy who's you know, I might be asking for, you know, 12, 12 and a half billion dollars a year, like Dollywall says. So, you know, that, that, that's definitely part of it. I think he hasn't 
Now, we just talked about Kuzmenko and his personality. I don't think Elias in interviews comes, uh, uh, comes um, or Elias come across. Uh, 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 it's Elias with Pedersen, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, I finally got it right. Um, <laughs> but you don't think he comes across all that well in interviews? It's not his fault. It's his second language and all that. So there are a lot of factors here. But if you're, you know, if 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 these rumors are true that that he's asking twelve million, twelve and a half billion, you know, you have to be near perfect, you know, to, to, for for this fan base. So <laughs> I can understand why people are kind of upset when he does have a bad game. But that's the root of it all is that amount that amount of money, and it all starts. That whole thing starts with the Leafs and what they pay their players way mm-hmm. too much. And now, you know, Pedersen wants his D, wants what Nylander is getting or close to it. And, you know, maybe you can't blame him for that, given his point totals. But that's going to lead to, uh, to criticism, even like, as you just said, he hasn't even signed the deal yet. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and honestly, Donnie, I think for people to really feel comfortable about any player getting a ton of money and having a massive cap number, it comes down to what they think that player can do in the postseason. And as much as Pedersen has a postseason under his belt back in 2020 in the bubble where he had 18 points in 17 games and acquitted himself more than fine, there was a sense that that playoff didn't count. So until he shows what he can do in the postseason and have success, I'm just not sure he's going to convince a lot of people he's going to be worth it. Yeah, and I think the root of, of, of a lot of that is, and you're right, that, that 2020 bubble, everybody throws it away. Mm-hmm. And may, maybe rightfully so. It was just such a strange situation. And, you know, the people barely remember who made this out of Tampa Bay when it won it. When it, yeah. won it. But, you know, people barely remember, you know, uh, who won playoffs. And, but they do remember what the Canucks did. But there's an asterisk there because of the weirdness, the strangeness uh, of that situation. And I, But I, I think the root of this is that – Liz Pedersen tends to fall a lot uh, when when he gets bumped. And he gets right back up, but there is that tendency to fall. And so automatically people go to, oh, that's going to happen all the time in the playoffs. And, you know, what's that going to be like for him? Because it's going to get more physical. And how many times is he going to fall? And is that going to mean turnovers? And is that going to hurt the Canucks? And, oh, my God, he's asking $12 million a year. How dare he do that? So, even though he's been fabulous in this market, there's that still that sense that everything we talked about, that he still has a, a lot to prove, and that, that starts in April. And so I, I, I can understand where people are coming from, and I'm sure, you know, that, that 2020 did surprise me because you mentioned the over-appointed game average in, the, in that postseason. Again, you might want to throw it away. But the one thing that I do remember, other than the point totals, is that there was some physicality in the series that the Canucks played, and he acquitted himself well there. And that when, that's when he was younger and not as strong as he is now. So you know, that's something I think that, that bodes well for the Canucks and their fans, and maybe then people will stop saying, hey, and including myself, will stop saying, hey, he's not worth that much money. Uh, it is Don Taylor. He joins us every Monday here on Canucks Central. Thanks for this as always, Donnie. Always, always fun, guys. And hey, sat right, right behind you, buddy. You have no, uh, you know, I know the BS you had to go through on the weekend, and you have no idea how many people are behind you in this. So, uh, head up, buddy. Uh, hey. You know, keep keep plugging away. Hey, thanks, Donnie. Appreciate that, man. You've always been great. No problem, bud. There is uh, Don Taylor joining us uh, here on. Canuck Central, and he's uh, he's right. You know, for all those that uh, saw what happened uh, on on Twitter. Um,
you know, I really don't have much time for some of those comments because they don't realize uh, how much work you put in. And uh, well, I mean, you carry me every day on the show, yeah, so I wouldn't go that it far. It pretty much man. speaks for itself. No, I mean, uh, number one, thank you. Uh, I mean, great teammate, great friend. Appreciate that. Thanks to Donnie. Thanks to everybody. Honestly, I've, the amount of uh, messages I've received the past twenty-four hours has been very moving. I appreciate every single person that has reached out, and I'm, I'm more than fine. Honestly, it was one of those things where. It was uh, very excessive yeah. yesterday. And it was only, honestly, the things I put was only like a small portion of what yes. was actually said. So it was a lot more. I just felt like something you have to tackle when it gets to that type of yeah. amount. But uh, I more than appreciate everybody having my back. So thank you all, really. Uh, expose the cowards uh, because uh, they deserve to be exposed when they act like that. But uh, those who know Sat know just how good he is at uh, what he does. And we're all lucky uh, to have him here covering the Canucks with us. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here on uh, on Canucks Central. We're going to get more into uh, things happening with the Vancouver Canucks, like Jet Wu getting the call up and uh, a lot of the discourse uh, around the National Hockey League over the weekend. There was a little bit of it. And uh, it will continue until Morgan Riley gets his uh, in-person hearing tomorrow. Plus, the terrible trade market that is remaining for everybody else that is looking for a big deal around the league. That's still to come on Canuck Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Canucks Central, hour number two here on the program. We're in the Kintec studio, and we go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning hotline for our next guest. It is Sean Gentili of The Athletic. Thanks for this, Sean. How are you? Fellas, how are we doing? Uh, We're doing fantastic. The Canucks are uh, first in the National Hockey League and uh, feeling pretty good about it moving forward. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard about that. People yeah. have mentioned that to me over, over the last little bit. Yeah, I mean, we mention it all the time because it's we. It's almost like we don't believe it ourselves after 10, deca- 10 years of a pretty well, prolonged so misery. Sometimes it seems like the fan base doesn't believe it. They have one loss, and yeah. it's like, oh, oh my, you know, they, they suck again. It's like, no, this isn't a Rob Schneider <laughs> moment, you know? I talked to I, I talk to you guys enough. I talked to Drancer enough. I talked to Jamie Dodd enough to know that, yeah, there's, there's some – there's some level of uh, disbelief that everyone's still <laughs> still still working through. It's fine. I I understand. It, it is interesting though. Like um, I, I look at the league right now, and sure, yeah, the Canucks are uh, are a surprise. You know, the Winnipeg Jets have been a surprise this season. But you know what's surprising to me is that it doesn't feel like there's a real clear cut favorite. Like maybe it's Vegas and Colorado in the West that are still the top tier teams. But it feels like the gap isn't as as big as it has been in other years, Sean. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think part of that's because, you know, I, I, if I had a blast watching the Canucks all season long, like absolutely. But everyone, you know, you want to see a little bit more from them. And it's, it's one of those things they can't really prove it until they prove it. So it's, it's, it's unfair to them. But. You know they're they're at the top of the league, right? And and, the, and you mentioned Vegas and Colorado. Like, yeah, those those teams have cup bona fides, but they're also flawed in ways that they haven't been in the past, right? Because Colorado's got a huge problem on the on their on their middle six still. Like the the 
the rebuild there really didn't really didn't take. So the West is open. And you look at the East and it's like the Rangers, like, are they like a top notch? Yeah, kind of, but Chesterkin's an average and the, Le- and the Leafs are a mess and on and on. So like all these teams that, you know, people kind of came, it hasn't, it hasn't just been that the Canucks have been fantastic, you know, that, that they have, but a lot of teams that I think people had penciled in to be, you know, top five, top 10 in the league also have, have looked at, looked pretty average all, all season long. So they've, they've benefited from that as well. It's fun. It's, it, it's fun to, be you know midway through february and 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 feel that it's as open as it is it certainly does now part of me kind of does wonder about the vegas golden knights and think to myself not that they're necessarily playing possum but there's another level they can reach and if they get healthy Mm -hmm. for the playoffs are they going to show that they are a cut above yet again it's a combo i think with them of like were they getting lucky early in the season Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit they were out they're outpacing their that they're underlying to, to some extent but then the pendulum swung so far back in the other direction where they were getting no luck at all. And then, and, and they're dealing with injuries. You know, you had Eichel hurt for a while and you know, what, whatever. Aiden Hill has been awesome, but I, I think you could, yeah, you could argue that, you know, haven't been a lot of players on that team that have, uh, that have exceeded expectations. Maybe, maybe aside from him this season. So totally. And I think they're, I, you know, Things change once you win a cup. It's like we we accept so much mediocrity from teams during the regular season after they show it during the playoffs that it, it's 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 funny to see because because you know if, if this happens last year everyone's like what's going on with the, with the with the Vegas Golden Knights are they dead in the water like what what what's the deal and now it's like nah they're just they're just conserving energy because they because they know what it takes it's 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 funny how the how the paradigm shifts when you when you win 16 games there in, uh, in in April and May and June. The the other part of uh, this conversation, you know, we're less than a month now away from, from the trade deadline, and I, I know the Canucks have already landed what might be the biggest fish in, in Elias Lindholm, but beyond that, sure, Noah Hannafin and, and, and Chris Tanev, it seems like Calgary's got the only players that people really all ha- have that all, all that much interest in. It's just it's not a very exciting trade market this year, rental market this year. It's like Flames, Reynolds, and people trying to convince themselves that the Penguins might move Jake Gensel at the deadline. I yeah. feel like that's kind of that's kind of what it is. It's a bunch of people talking themselves into. You know, we just had at the Athletic. We had Chris Johnson just dropped his updated trade board. You know, t- today stuff in there as always, but there were also you know he made a point to say there were twelve or fourteen guys that were added to it, and I think that kind of speaks to what we're dealing with here, where you know. Everyone's trying to edge around, you know, like or maybe some guys that we that we didn't think were available turn out to be available, you know, wishful thinking maybe from from media guys, but that's kind of what happens, I, I suppose, when you know the Canucks make make the big move with uh, with with Lindholm as, as early as they did. It's, it's funny, we're we're gonna have like three weeks of, you know, yeah, the like like I said, the 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 Noah Hannafin sweepstakes or. or it's not. It's not the sexiest deadline we we've had. He's not. He's not Patrick Kane. Like like in in, yeah. in terms of name value. Like 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 we were dealing with last year. Well, and the teams that we viewed as potentially being sellers at the deadline heading into the season were teams like the Flyers, teams like the Coyotes, perhaps mm-hmm. even the Predators, and they're all embroiled yep. in a playoff race. And as much as every week or so or every losing streak for the Flyers, I think people were like, ah, time to poach their players. Now they've won three in a row again. They're mm-hmm. sitting third in that division. Are they even going to sell at the deadline? 
how do you even, especially in the East, yeah. like how do you look at, and, and you can even drill it down to the Metro division specifically. Like how do you, if you're trying to figure out who's a contender and who's not between Philly and Pittsburgh and the Islanders and the Devils, let's say like those are teams that are just, they're sep- those are four teams that are separated by like, a couple points and we all, we all know how the math works. Like not all of them are, are going to make it. Right. So it, like it's how do, how do we assess those teams? How do, how do their GMs assess, assess themselves? It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see because I think that kind of, and I think that kind of, you know, is of a type with, with how we started our conversation here. You have, you know, are there, is there, is there one or two or three like stone cold favorites that everybody loves? Like, no, but are there also like 14 or 15 teams who everyone can realistically say like could make a run? Like, yeah, absolutely. And teams that, you know, teams that surprise people are in that mix. You mentioned Philly, you mentioned Nashville. Those are, those are teams who everybody thought were, were going to be selling their parts at their, around this time at the start of the season. And, you know, that's, that's, that's not the way they rolled. When we're uh, when we're wondering if Nick Dowd is going to fetch the Washington Capitals a first round draft selection, can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> we have to do these. Uh, we do these things every week. We call them all thirty twos at the Athletic, where you know we have tw- how, however many beat writers, but then also the teams that we don't have beat writers for. You know, we've kind of been in, in, in assess on our own. So, so my so my job this season is is Washington and Florida, and we had like our trade deadline primer. They ran on Saturday, like like who's going to be available? And I'm sitting there talking about, you know, yeah, they could maybe try to trade Nick Dowd, or they could try to trade Joel Edmondson. <laughs> like, uh, like, oh wow, everybody, and like, stop the presses, everybody, <laughs> chill out. Like, Nick Dowd and Joel Edmondson are available. My my goodness, yeah, it's 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 a lot of that though. There's ten or fifteen or twenty of those players where it's like, are these are these the dudes that we're going to have to convince ourselves that, that that are worth getting excited about over the next three weeks? I, I hope not. Are premium position players just going to go up in value considering we have 32 teams now in the league and only 16 make the playoffs? There's, I think that's, I think we've seen that to, to some extent over the last couple of years. And I think also, you know, this is maybe front offices market correcting a little bit later than they should have. I think mm-hmm. people are starting to realize like not all first round picks are created equal. Right. And I mm-hmm. think we saw that with Vancouver and I think we saw that with, you know, Vancouver with with Lindholm and then and then uh, Winnipeg with Monaghan. Like everyone likes to say that you get a first round pick back in the deal. That's all well and good, but it you know like what's like even a worst case scenario? Like what's that pick going to be that Vancouver sent back to Calgary? Like congratulations, the it's the twenty fifth pick in the draft. Like it, it, there's a there's such a dip after the first ten or ten or fifteen players that I think. You know, we need to reassess that too, right? Like, there's, yeah, there's 32 teams seeking premium players, but also like, just kind of other other factors here that have that have uh, made the market shift over the last couple of years that maybe we weren't dealing with, you know, five or seven years ago. So, uh, what's your uh, what's your prediction for Morgan Riley tomorrow? How many games? Oh my, oh my god, <laughs> I, six? I don't know. It's crazy that this became like, the biggest story of the NHL weekend, I, though. Dude, I, I guys, I, I like. I kind of missed it. I was like, <laughs> I was like watching the Super Bowl and minding my own business. And I, I, I wake up, I wake up this morning, and everybody's mad, and everyone's fighting, and everyone has has one take or another coming out of it. I'm just like, oh god, we gotta 
we got to do this again. We can't. We can't just say that that, that Ridley Gregg did something did something punky, and then and then Morgan Riley overreacted, and just move like move on with our lives. Like we gotta we gotta have the full yeah the full news cycle on this. I don't know. Well, that's no, like that's just, really it. I'll like, get sick. I'll do it again. Did, did like did really Ridley Gregg uh, you know uh, showboat a little bit against the Leafs? Sure. Yeah. Did did Morgan Riley did. overreact? Absolutely. He Should overreact? he just like yeah. You know, gone and confronted him. Maybe dropped the gloves. Try to fight him. I don't know. Like anything would have been better than a cross check to the head or whatever. But yeah, like like keep like keep your stick down. Like yeah. right. Like like don't don't board him and don't hit him and don't cross check him in the head. Like you can whatever shoulder check him or, or yeah. something. Figure out some figure out some better way to do it. But it's like I don't know. I I don't know if this is because I'm getting older or what. But I just see people be like, oh, like let like basically like let Ridley Craig have fun. Like no, no. <laughs> like you should, should he should not have to worry about getting checked in the head. But yeah. you know, stuff, stuff happens. He knew exactly what he was doing. That dude, that that dude knows the kind of player he is. He knows what his meal ticket is as in, in the NHL, and I and I, I think he plays he plays kind of accordingly. So this isn't some this isn't some you know sweet summer child who who just thought he was doing something fun and then got then got then got knocked around for it. He was. He was he was trying to annoy those guys and it, and, it, and it worked. You know, you you buy you buy the ticket, you take the ride to to, to, to some extent. It was just a bummer that that you know, or there that or that the 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 Riley's uh Riley's Riley's stick you know came up the way it was. That that sucks. There's no there's a there's a there's no place for that. But I don't know, man. It's been it's been. 24 hours of nonstop <laughs> BS over it. I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. Uh, trust me, uh, I, I hear you on that one. And, and as far as, you know, one of the other things, like uh, in Vancouver, uh, the Canucks played the Red Wings on Saturday and Jake Wallman scored the shootout, uh, scored a penalty shot winner in overtime against the Canucks and then mm-hmm. proceeded to, to do the gritty. And honestly, I love it. Every time Wallman scores a goal, he does a gritty or yep. does some other sort of type of dance or whatever. But there's actually discourse in this market. And I can't believe, I think it's asinine that should the Canucks do something about the celebration that that um, Jake Wallman had against them. I mean, to me, it's it's ridiculous no. that that's even a topic of conversation. He's happy you scored a goal. Like, why are people upset that he celebrated? I think it's fantastic that he did does the gritty. I wish other players had had more elaborate celebrations. It's just weird. It's weird that like it's our where we've like decided what's okay and what's not, and that's and that's part of yeah. the that's part of the discourse that I kind of, that I kind of understand where it's like, you know, the, the code or whatever you want to call it is just so like labyrinthine and weird where it's like, no, this is allowed, but that's not, like, it gets, it gets stupid. And to, to me, like celebration stuff, like whatever you score, that's like, that's fine. Right. Like, like don't like you, you should, you should be able to do stuff like that and not worry about getting like Dale Hunter cheap shotted from the, from, uh, from, from the side, like some, did something about Greg, like maybe not said with him perfectly. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But man, it's, it really is crazy that, that it's like, you get, you got some of the toughest athletes on earth that are also in, in their feelings at the first, <laughs> at, the, at the first sign of trouble, like in, in, in every, in, in any given moment. It's very, it's very funny. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we'll see. Uh, the the discourse will continue tomorrow. If this is uh, maybe yeah. any team other than the Maple Leafs, it's uh, it's it's probably. Uh, <laughs> just, are, are we definitely? Are we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna find out tomorrow? That's good. Yeah. At least at, at least we can get down the road to like moving on from this and, and having to deal with it again when it pops up two weeks from now. A hundred percent, Sean. We always appreciate the time. Thanks for this today.
Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, there is uh, Sean Gentili of The Athletic joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central. Yes, Morgan Riley will have his uh, in-person hearing tomorrow, so the discourse will then uh, hopefully subside, uh, although I'm sure uh, Leafs fans are going to be very much upset at however many games Morgan Riley ends up getting. I would be shocked if he gets anything less than five games. Yeah, at this point, I think so. I mean, was was the precedent not somewhat set with uh, pure Turgeon and Dale Hunter? So It's different, but it's also yeah. similar. Off a goal, he's celebrating, and then it gets blindsided. It was a bit more unfair. I guess he didn't do anything to antagonize pure yes. Turgeon. But that was like what a twenty game suspension, yeah. whatever it was. So I, I think, I think that I don't expect it to be a twenty game suspension. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I wonder if that type of precedent plays some sort of a part into like they're thinking this is after the play, it's a violent play. This has to be met with a stiff penalty. I, for me, it's almost more like um, Mark Shifley on Jake Evans in the playoffs yeah. a couple of years ago. Even though, you know, Jake Evans doesn't really do anything to showboat, he's going in to score on an empty net, and Mark Shifley is just going in to blow him up (laughs) as he's doing it. So it it was a little different, but Shifley got five playoff games for that. Yeah, which is maybe more like 10 games. Yeah, so... Does he get 10 then, maybe? (sighs) But that was different. I mean, again, I think Jake Evans was far more innocent. Again... I think he was legitimately hurt on the play, too. Like we spoke, yeah, he was. And as we spoke to Sean Gentile, I think he makes a great point. Like, it's very arbitrary the code mm-hmm. and part of me just thinks is ridiculous so so we're upset because you shot a puck too hard into a net like i, I understand like i know there, there's i know a, there's it's a showboat to it though. there is but it's like yeah. who cares like it's, it's honestly shooting into empty net it's not that big okay. of a deal if you know it happened I mean? to me in beer league i'd probably be upset yeah but you should i mean maybe you, that makes sure. me a coward no i don't know i don't but think like, it does if, if it happened to me in a beer league game i i wouldn't I would not like it too much. I understand where it's coming from. Yeah. I understand why people don't like it. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I understand people giving their reasons, but logically to me, it's like nothing to be upset about. Yeah. It's an empty net. <laughs> so what's the mile per hour limit? If it goes over 65 miles, what if you hit a strong wrister? It was only 73 miles an hour. Right. Okay. Well, it was over 65 then. <laughs> you didn't even hit it that hard. You know what I mean? Like, when you just think of it a lot, like, t- remove everything. Remove the code. Remove yes. the history. Remove the, the perceived slight of it. Yes. The action of shooting a puck into an empty net too hard. Yeah. That's what we're upset about? Yes. It's pretty ridiculous when you yep. remove everything from it. And that's where I'm at. I've always been like, I always look at things very logically. Yes. So even when I play hockey, I always thought this was a stupid thing to get upset about. Like, yes. Who cares? It's an empty net. They're scoring goal, whatever. <laughs> like, unless he's going to go and dangle an empty net or whatever, and then it's like, you look stupid, but yep. whatever. I, I get what but people get upset, like, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't just think it's much ado about nothing. Is there not a, uh, a line that you... That exists in sport that doesn't exist in, in real life. <laughs> yeah, but it's sort of like sometimes it doesn't it just doesn't add up to me. It's like you shouldn't have your first power play unit out. Yeah, you know, late in the game where you have a lead. But what if you have if a Connor McDavid was not very happy about that early in the season. Like whatever. But then they did it when they were up <laughs> by a bunch. Yeah, in a different. Game. You know what? You have time. Yeah, work on your first, power play. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's a it's a professional. We're not playing. Like we don't have a mercy rule. No. You know, like you're professionals. Yeah. It's not a big deal. To me, it's not a big, it's, you're being a sore loser. And I think in hockey, there's too much concern about the feelings of somebody losing and don't do anything to upset somebody that's losing too much. It's yeah. like, so I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta maintain my emotions and I gotta be within myself. Yes. Cause I don't want to, God forbid, you know, hurt somebody's feelings that's losing so a hockey game. It's more like uh, the, the David Price mantra. If you don't like it, play better. Yeah. For you. Yeah, 100%. I think that's part of it. I understand some things rubbing things in. I get it. Yeah. 
to me, shooting a puck into an empty net, <laughs> a little too hard. Well, it's the wind up. Yeah. You know, like, it, they should the do the lacrosse move. <laughs> but like nobody's in Go net. around, Go the, around net. the net. Go around the net, do yeah. Michigan or something. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be a lot of fun. But to, to me, that's course after when that. you do well, something like. probably get shy fleet on the layer. <laughs> the reason I think that's stupid is because it's an empty net and now you're adding more variables to yes. miss that empty net. Yes. You know that's, what I mean? That's 100% true. That's what I think is dumb about it. Riley should have just, you know, if you're going to like be upset about it, then go and confront him, like, you know, drop the gloves, do something sure. uh, more. <laughs> Look, you're going to assault him either way, <laughs> I guess, but like do it without your stick because you do it with your stick. It's kind of cowardly. Yeah. So, Face wash, whatever. Yeah. Show him that you don't like it. But don't like give him the cross check to the face. That's probably uh, that's that's just the the one thing I would say because I can understand Morgan Riley's uh, losing his head a little bit in the moment because I would be lying if it hasn't happened to me on a field of play in the past. <laughs> yeah. Okay, where you just lose all sense of logic in a moment for something that you might look back on and be like, yeah, this was kind of stupid. Yeah, I get it. Well, right? I get it. But it has happened to yes. me in the past. <laughs> I get it. Well, like I said, when I was younger, it was a situation like that happened. My coach is like, you can't shoot a puck hard into an empty net. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like nobody's in the net. Who cares? Um, I know there was some discussion about this today. And I think it's only because of what happened with Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg. But do the Canucks have to uh, make sure they're not? Uh, they showed Jake Wallman they weren't happy with his touch, uh, his uh, his overtime goal dance the other night uh, against yeah. the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I, I heard, <laughs> are those the same thing, or are they apples and oranges? I think they're completely apples and oranges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are we actually talking about retribution for Jake Wallman? <laughs> like, really? That's where the discourse has gotten. Really? To. Honestly, like, I did someone even, has to do something. I did it? not even think about this for a second yeah. until it came up. On I was like listening yeah. on thirty two on some other shows, and I was like, "I what?" Like I didn't think about this for a minute yesterday. Yeah, I even heard uh, Drancer and Jamie talk about yeah. it too, and they're like, "Yeah, maybe give him a face." Why? I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> the Canucks <laughs> didn't even seem that like they would have talked about a post game. Yeah, if they were it, mad about I'm it. not saying don't go, don't go and play physical. You want to go out there and be physical and and you know be tough in the corners. It was a physical game against yeah. the Red Wings. If you want to, you know, fight back because of physicality and and give Jake Wallman a run, sure, why not? Like, go ahead. But like the whole idea of you got to give him a little extra because he was too happy when he scored a game winning goal in overtime. You know what you should do is score a goal and then gritty on him. A hundred percent. You're in your 100%. building now, man. Yes. A hundred percent. Connor uh, Garland, go out there. That's how you. That's how you. That's how you show each other up. You know, do a do a good celebration on Thursday after you beat uh, the the Detroit Red Wings. But um, it, it is very arbitrary how you might feel about some of these situations. <laughs> and that's my thing. I think we get like too worked up over small little arbitrary yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my point on it. But the gritty thing, like, I think it's fantastic. Like, I'm honestly, I honestly think Jake Wallman has some courage. Yeah. Because he does something in hockey that nobody else is willing to do. Yeah. 
maybe maybe Mitch Marner's done the gritty as a celebration before. I don't know. Maybe. He did it at his wedding. Did he do it in a yeah, game? Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe he did. I don't maybe think he did it in a game. <laughs> Never in a game. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I mean, some people think it looks stupid. Well, like, uh, Rager says a grown man doing the gritty is embarrassing enough. <laughs> sure, but whatever. Like, who cares? It's it's similar to the discourse of uh, the Hurricanes doing their thing after after home wins. They're happy about it. Yeah. What was it? They went into the penalty box yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Do something for your fans, and everybody else is like in their feelings about it. Um, okay, uh, quickly. Jet Wu gets called up today as the Canucks uh, put Carson Soucy on IR. Kind of interesting that the Canucks hadn't placed Carson Soucy on IR until this point, but they can do it retroactively. So really, if he's, you know, if he, in theory, he would be ready for tomorrow and they wanted to take him off IR, I guess they could do Mm. that. It's probably not going to happen. Mm. But um, they put him on IR after all this time he's been out and they've called up Jet Wu, which uh, is good for Jet Wu. I mean, I don't think I, I really had him on the radar for a call-up 12 months ago, 18 months ago. He's he's kind of come a long way here. I'm pretty sure we answered the question not too long ago on a mailbag, mm-hmm. or maybe it was overrated, underrated about him or whatever. But basically the question was, is he going to be something for this team? And my answer was, maybe he gets a call-up at some point and gets, gets a little bit of something, but I don't know if we can view him as an option. Like it hasn't looked great and has never really truly excelled. And But this year, actually, if you go back, and I haven't watched the episode connects closely. Yeah. But you ask around a little bit, and especially after the call-up, I asked around a little bit about his play. And it's like, yeah, he's he's done a lot of stuff this year behind the scenes that they're happy about. And this is a bit of a reward, but also you get a reward, you get an opportunity, Yeah, show something. Yeah. You know, and I think this is going to be his chance. Now, not necessarily in terms of playing right away, but this is going to be his chance if he's going to be something here. Can he do what Guillaume Brisebois did, where he comes in, shows something, and you're like, you know what? Maybe we can keep him around as a depth defenseman. Maybe we give him a little bit of a shot. And I think that's a huge testament to him because it looked very much like he wasn't going to amount to much of anything in terms of an NHL caliber player just about even three or four months ago. Uh, the the development side of the Vancouver Canucks organization seems to have gotten a glow up over the last little while. And I think you've seen it with guys like Noah Juleson. Uh, potentially here with Jet Wu. You know, this doesn't mean Jet Wu is uh, all of a sudden on the radar to be a top four defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks, but can have you built him into being something that's valuable to your organization, mm-hmm. which is a right shot defenseman that can come in and play games for you, which as you look around the National Hockey League, those things have value to them. And it seems as though he's put himself on the radar for that. I'm curious, uh, you know, if he plays tomorrow, there would need to be some kind of uh, an injury that's keeping somebody out. Like Zadorov's suspension is lasting for one more game, but I, I don't think, you know, Rick Taka was too, uh, you know, Mark Friedman played pretty well yesterday. He so. was fine. My question, too, is if Jet was going to come into the lineup, are you bringing him into the lineup and playing him on the left side when he's a righty? Yeah. Or are you moving Jules into the left side because you're putting Wu into the lineup? To me, if you're doing that, that means you're now you're disrupting two things. You're getting Juleson out of his Comfort comfortable zone. spot to put him on the left side, and you're bringing a guy in who's never played in the NHL. So my guess is he's probably not playing unless there's some sort of an injury. Yeah. But it's a bit of a reward for what he's done. And and maybe somebody is slightly banged up. Like, we don't know. And mm. we'll find out, obviously, um, by tomorrow's a day off by the team. Nobody's really answering in terms of what's going on with them. There could be that 
happening here potentially with the team. But that's kind of what I would say. Um, so Jet Wu getting the call up and uh, good for him. He's going to get an NHL paycheck for a couple of days here at the very least. Yeah, this text message just came in and says, sources say Pittsburgh wants to see Jet in an NHL game before they trade for him. <laughs> hey, if, if that comes to pass, we know unsigned texter called it at uh, 5.26 p.m. today. Okay. Uh, is Pittsburgh sending over Riley Smith or uh, something other than Jake Gensel? Because I don't know. <laughs> Sydney Crosby. I'm no, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That, that that you know what that makes sense. Seems, maybe just maybe. Seems like one of those things uh, in an NHL twenty four force trade. Yes. 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 We are forcing through this trade. Uh, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah coming up. Uh, we'll uh, do a little bit of a Super Bowl recap and uh, some more things going on around the National Hockey League. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.